Easter. You know, that's probably not the first time you've said that today. You know, it's really interesting because when we come to this morning, most of us are looking for the opportunity to say Happy Easter to someone. Because we love this day, especially when it's a beautiful morning like it is this morning. In spite of fighting the traffic, we still want to say Happy Easter to someone. And it's really interesting when you say Happy Easter, which is our tradition, which we say on this morning, it brings to mind a lot of different thoughts. It might bring to mind what you've experienced in the past. It might bring to mind the present and what you experience now. Typically, what it brings to mind is pleasant feelings and dressing nice on a beautiful morning and Easter bunnies that are fluffy and white or maybe chocolate. And children and Easter egg hunts and all these pleasant thoughts that we have about Easter. But, you know, for centuries, that wasn't the early cry of Easter Sunday morning. It was the cry that we heard at the beginning of this service. Christ is risen. With the response, the Lord is risen indeed. Because that's really what the focus of Easter is about for the church. And, it's, and what's fascinating is we forget that the apostles on that first Easter morning, that's not where they were. That first Easter morning when the apostles were, woke up, they were still locked in the upper room. They were still fright, just turtle, totally frightened. They were doubtful. They had no idea what they were going to do and where they were going to go. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life where you were full of doubt or full of fear. That you had no idea what your next step was. Because that's where they were that first Easter morning. In fact, I don't know if you caught it later on in the Gospel reading according to John. But it was in the evening. That's when things were transformed for them. That whole first day of the week, that Sunday, that Easter Sunday, they went through tremendous emotions as the day unfolded. And they were not clear until that evening exactly what was going on. Some of you know that we've been doing a series through Lent on the gospel according to John, in particular in the upper room. And what the apostles had been going through emotionally as they walked through this time with Jesus. But they clearly were devastated. And they first heard from the women. Who were the first ones to go to the tomb? Presumably to dress the body. Were the women. The women, by the way, you know, it's really interesting. The church has unfortunately taken slams for how they have treated women and used women and not used women down through the centuries. The Gospels actually elevated the role of women far beyond what it was like culturally during this day, because the women were the brave ones. They were the last ones to leave 
the body with Joseph of Arimathea as they put the body in the tomb. They were the first ones to go that Easter morning to dress the body again with spices. To ask the soldiers to roll the stone away. They were the brave ones. The apostles were locked in the upper room until some of the women returned and said, the stone's been rolled away. Mary Magdalene stayed back at this point. She was still by the tomb because she still did not believe. And what are we told? Two other significant people who were totally committed to Jesus, Peter and John, ran to the tomb. And John, of course, writing the gospel, says that he outran Peter. Sounds like, you know, a little competitive here. Probably a younger guy. But they go in. And what do they find? Peter and John and Mary Magdalene. But the clothes are folded up. Not something someone that stole a body would do. They either take them or they just leave them crumpled up. And we're not told exactly what Peter was feeling at that point. We're told that Mary was still bewildered. She was crying out in the garden. But we're told John believed. But, you know, that might be John saying he kind of believed. Because he still went in the upper room and the doors were still locked. But Mary stayed back because she wanted to know. And Mary kept wondering and looking because she was still unclear. And then she comes upon Jesus. And it's fascinating that it takes place in a garden where the first person comes to the full realization, sees Jesus risen. And it's confirmed that He is risen. Christ is risen. And it happens to be a woman. It's in a garden where we first had the need because of Adam and Eve. And it's a garden that we have the full solution in Jesus Christ being risen. But we go to this upper room. The apostles are huddled in there in fear. In fact, in verse 19, what does it say? The doors are locked for fear of the Jews. They're all in there. And what are they doing with each other? Number one, think about the door being locked. Would that really prevent a mob of soldiers knocking down the door? It's a false sense of security. How many people have a false sense of security in this world? About the reality of their life. About their situation. They're probably trying to build each other up or encourage each other, but probably what they're doing more of is sharing their fears and doubts, as we often do when we're in that time, especially if we're sharing that kind of feeling with other people and we're struggling. But they're in that upper room because they have no sense Of what has happened. Jesus tried to prepare them. He taught them in the upper room. He told them several times he was going to die. He also told them he would rise again. 
He told them he was going to give them the Holy Spirit, that they would have joy fulfilled, joy complete, his joy. But they had no idea because they were still looking for the wrong kind of Messiah, the Messiah that was going to bring them comfort, worldly comfort, worldly riches. They missed it. Just like most people. They were missing it. Because he came as the suffering servant to take upon himself our sin, our guilt, our struggle, our brokenness. And Jesus knew that they were struggling with the whole thing. And that's why in chapter 14, verse 1, John quotes about Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled because he always wants to address our troubled hearts. And now they have all this new evidence. Because Mary Magdalene comes. And Peter and John had already told them that they saw the tomb empty and the clothes folded up. And then these two disciples come from Emmaus. They ran from Emmaus. And they said, we've seen the risen Lord. So now they have all this new evidence. You would think they would open the doors and they'd start looking for him. What do they do? They're still locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews. So then Jesus, he's, he's got this resurrected body. We don't know exactly what that means or what that looks like, but we know it's not normal. Because he has holes in his hands and his feet and his side. He can transport himself like he did from the road to Emmaus. He can go through locked doors. And so that's what he does. He goes through this locked door. Now, imagine, if you will, all these disciples huddled behind a locked door and they don't know Jesus is there yet. How many of you grew up that you loved to startle your mom? I used to love to startle my mom. Sneak up on her and she didn't know I was there. And all of a sudden she'd turn around and go, ah! You're going to give me a heart attack. You know, when she was older, I might have. Because I still did it when I was an adult. I still do it to... Cherry and Sharon, our counselors. But Jesus stood in the upper room. The first word he absolutely needed to say was, peace be with you. When he came through those doors. But he didn't just say it once. Why did he not just say it once? Because after they saw him, they were probably ecstatic with joy. They were probably hugging each other. Tears were flowing. They were filled with joy. And so now, trying to speak to them all, he has to say, peace be with you again for a different emphasis and focus. But that's why Jesus came. He came to bring peace. You know what a byproduct of joy is, is peace. When we have that abiding joy, that complete joy of the Lord, when we know the joy of the Lord deep in our hearts that never leaves us, because He never leaves us, because we know His love, we have peace no matter what circumstances we face. That's what the apostles would exhibit later when they face their challenges. 
But the reason he says peace a second time is he has something for them. We're told he breathes on them. Now think about the use of breath in Scripture. Number one, let's go back to the Garden of Eden again. Breath was what he breathed into Adam and Eve. Life itself. Breath is about life itself. And when you think about it, the breath is also the breath of the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the down payment that will come at Pentecost. It's that spirit that comes into us that brings us the reality, the truth about the risen Lord Jesus, the joy and the peace that come into our hearts because it's the spirit that brings the fruit of the spirit that changes our lives. Did anything change on the outside of their circumstances? Not at all. Not at all. What changed was the reality of their minds and hearts. Because now they knew that the Lord was risen. That the power of sin and death could no longer do anything to them. They were changed forever. Forever they were changed. Now, when the apostles saw Jesus at this moment, anything they had thought of him in the past, He had told them over and over again that he was going to die and he was going to rise again. And they had not really focused on that, not really caught it for their lives. They had seen him be a compassionate teacher, preacher, and even healer. They had seen him do miracles. They saw him calm the storm, walk on water. They saw him feed 5,000 with a kid's lunch. They saw him change water into wine. But at this point, something was going to be different forever. They would see him in a new light. They would not see him as a nice guy and therefore translate the Christian faith as, oh, i got to just be a nice person. They would not see him as a great moral teacher and therefore, oh, I just got to be a good person. They would see him as the crucified and risen Lord Jesus. That's how they would come to know this Jesus forever. They would understand that he went to the cross because of their brokenness, their failure, their denial of him and their sin. And that he rose again to show that he has power over anything. Any brokenness, any sin, and death itself. That's how they would see him. As the risen Lord Jesus. Do you ever had anybody in your life who did something incredibly generous, sacrificial love, touch you in a deep way that you never see that person in any light but someone really, really special in your life? Or have you ever had someone really do something bad to you or betray you, you never see that person in the same light. 
because they've left an indelible mark on your life. When they saw the risen Lord Jesus, they would never see him anything. But someone who defeated the power of sin and death on the cross and rose again to show he has that power. And the question is, have you seen that person in your life? Maybe not physically, but in your mind's eye, in your heart, to change your life. Because that's why he came. He's here right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. We hear the words every time we celebrate communion. That he gave his life for us. And he's present by the Holy Spirit. In the breaking of the bread. And in the prayers. And he's here to bring you that same peace and joy. And the power of his love to change your life. No matter what the circumstances. Christ crucified and risen. To change your today and to change your eternity. That's Easter. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Do you see him? Let's pray. Lord, we hear the words of Job who said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And yet he did not know the cross and the resurrection like we do. We can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he's come to change our lives. So that we might know forgiveness. As he came to that upper room, he gave a commission, a gift. The same commission that he would give to us to know his forgiveness and to share his forgiveness. Because of the cross. And because of the power of the resurrection. That is the message of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Lord, we thank you for the gift that Jesus is. To wash away any sin or brokenness. To deal with the challenges that we feel due to fear or anxiety. Doubt, and to bring to us that joy and that peace that passes understanding because of the depth of your love. As you stretched out your arms on the cross, only to rise again three days later. Lord, help us through the eyes of our minds and our hearts to see the risen Lord Jesus and our lives to be changed today and forever. 
And we ask this in his precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.